0: Match play golf. The key to the format is playing the man, not the course. There's no other game in which fortunes can change so much from hole to hole. A brilliant golfer can get a strong hole. Crack go on tilt and lose his mind with every swing in front of him. This is why the United States amateur is decided in match play singles format. Golfers won't play. Match play, they can't handle the swings, but there are others like Walter Hagen that consider match play the only pure game left. Like Papa Olinda said, "Life is on the wire; the rest is just waiting." Look, if you had
1: one shot, one shot, one opportunity to bomb it like you've always wanted, in one moment, would you hit driver? just lay up. Oh! His grips are sweaty, breeze weak, hazards heavy. There's ketchup on his Polo already vodka in the Yeti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting to keep his head down His group goes so loud, he
0: knows his next move But his miss freaks him out He's choking up how everybody's laughing now The boys howling, clubs up loud Snaps back to the left again, oh, there's a penalty, oh Reload Welcome
1: to the Bomb Squad Podcast With your hosts Matt Smith and Jerry Lou.
0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bomb Squad podcast, a podcast It's always a podcast, podcast, podcast. I'm Jerry Lou, your host, and joining me as always is Mateo Smee. How you doing, Matt?
1: Good, man. You. What's going on? Big week, uh, both of our lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but first and foremost, I'm not breaking format here, breaking stride, because, uh, you know, I'm a wreck. Uh, did you play any golf lately?
1: I have I have I've played a couple of men's nights now we're on uh Tuesday night, so just got back from the course. had our club championship on the weekend
0: so, I heard I was involved in a group text that was I love so between you, me and Ty we got a great group text, and it's always lopsided in that two of us are talking away and one guy's just like busy or sleeping and then i so I got a, I kind of catch up on a lot of golf texts between you and ty
1: hmm yeah, so um club championships are, 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 a funny thing for me. I've been a bridesmaid, I don't know, about three or four times juniors, um, the home club where I grew up uh, my first year at the new club I'm, I'm at here in Stratford. And then this year, I don't know, it's been a weird year. I actually kind of made, you know, made whole with my golf game a couple of weeks ago and said, you know what? I'm okay. If I never win a club championship ever in my life. And I haven't been playing a whole lot this year
0: um when <laughs> you sound like me before I got my first day so I'm like, you know what it's been thirty to twenty nine years of golf. I could go without this. And then just pow pow two of them
1: yeah, like I don't know what it is. It's like golf is just such a a, a weird game. It's twenty twenty we've been in covid you know I've got different stuff going on in my life and and I'm not playing that often and then I go out and shoot sixty six Okay. and uh yeah set a set a pb a personal investor on my uh home course ends up getting uh round two canceled due to thunderstorms after six holes on sunday my no kidding. my six shot lead had grown to eight and then here we are round two canceled and i'm the club champ so it's been a it's oh, been a good week boy. for me personally on the golf course um everything kind of came together and uh it, it feels good. So. Uh, Chimini, nice. literally
0: backdoor victory i'm proud of you man
1: thanks bud thanks
0: well that's uh that's good stuff i mean that's you can't really beat that uh, have i played golf lately yeah a little bit uh my back is still pretty thrown out ever since trying to go bryson D. Shambo on my swing speed uh not that long ago but i have learned that i can still hit for distance i just uh really trap the ball uh, tremendously. So uh I don't miss to the right anymore. I, uh, I pure things and I, and they mostly go left, but, uh, but that feels good. The back feels good. I look like Freddie couples out there where I take the club away and everything's just like, Oh, look, there he goes. And then right after impact, I'm just like, I'm done right now. And I just rest the club on my shoulder. and I just watch I'm like, yeah, there you go. So <clears throat> anywho, we are not going to cover the Wyndham championship, except for congratulations to, um, uh, Phil Herman, Ted Herman, uh, Jim Herman, uh, one Jimothy Herman. James, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Swenson, Swanson. Listen, I'm going to have you do uh, on the spot here just your own little take on the Wyndham. Just because I texted Shmi back on, like, oh God, it wasn't. It might have been the end of the first round, maybe not even the completion of the first round. And I was talking, and this was like as the U.S. Amateur, like scandals and highlights were both going on at the same time. And I was there in person, as I uh, hope tie titles this episode. I was on golf's grassy knoll. If, mm-hmm. if we can ease something in terms of, I was telling the wife the other day, what I witnessed that the golf course was essentially being like the, the shuttle challenger golf. Like I can think of twice in this century where there was a caddy blunder. Granted, we don't remember the name of the first guy, but we remember what happened. But anyways, we'll get into that later. Um, gosh, see yeah, I got off the rails there. See, this is, this is going to be such a deep topic. I'm going to let you talk about Wyndham for as long as you want to. It can be, you know, it's like you, it's your hamsterdam, You know, you have the floor, unlimited time. And uh, why are you snickering?
1: <laughs> what are you snickering? I, I, I'm snickering because I, I think I watched about I don't know 45 minutes of the entire thing. Um, you know, just like you being on the ground at Bandon for the USAM this week was
0: well. Real quick, great. hold on. Well, I, I was just gonna say I take this. I was just for for our dozens and dozens of listeners. I was just prefacing the whole thing where I said, "Hey, listen, should we do a separate Wyndham and separate Bandon Dunes uh, uh, like abandoned amateur podcast and Smee's words, and I'm not going to look back, but I will quote it loosely. Uh, Windham's a snoozer, and next headline I got uh, 24 hours later was uh, uh, 26,000 guys are tied with the lead or something. And then I kind of looked at the field, and I'm just like, well, unless if Patrick Reed doesn't win, you know, don't wake me from my bunk. I mean, or unless a giant squid attacks the ship. But uh, anyways, go uh, go for it. In terms of like, you can slander him. Jim, Jim Herman's an accomplished golfer. He's a millionaire. He's a
1: th- now three-time. I believe three time PGA tour champion and guess how many top 25 finishes he has all time on the PGA tour
0: all time. Well, okay. Can you give me the only hint I want is do you, how many years has he been on tour? Multiple. Great. Uh, you don't have like the year he started in front of you.
1: Uh, I could probably find it out pretty quickly. That would what help. Cause okay. How many
0: wins does he have? No, no, you said top 25s.
1: So, so he has three wins.
0: Okay, but I'll get a good guess here. I just want to know how long he's been on tour.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to find – he's played 195 events. So it's been a while. It's been oh – as my. the, as this is, as, this is as the of... kids say these days, it's been it's been a minute.
0: Okay. Uh, this sounds like a... – it's a trap. Uh, 8
1: million, is... $7.6 million in career earnings.
0: This is going to be something that's either going to be wacky low or wacky high. So, I'm just going to go right down the middle the city. He has 50 top 25s. He has three. <laughs> and they're all his wins, aren't they? They're all wins. <laughs> you baited me. I deserve that. I deserve every second of that. So, um,
1: so take that home. He also has... Well, he turned pro in 2000. So he's been around for 20 years now. Not obviously all on the PGA tour. He has a PGA tour scoring average, oh, 72.083. Yeah. 72. Oh, he,
0: he was in that, 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 that class of Aaron Baddeley and Charles Howell III and Gossett and uh, Paul Casey and uh, Luke Donald. And uh, should I stop?
1: Yeah, you can stop there. Those, those are all much <laughs> bigger names than our friend Jimmy Herman. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, did you see his dance on the
0: 18th hole? No, no, I didn't see I, I didn't see squat, dog. I, I really
1: didn't. I mean, I, I was, I, no I was just beating I was you again. I was, I was hoping you'd go for the Pee Wee Herman dance on that one. A little, uh, you <laughs> know, fist in the front, fist in the back, you know. Tequila? Yeah, I get
0: it. <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, no. So, yeah, Jim Herman goes away with the Wyndham at the old Sedgefield Country Club. Um, Siwoo Kim somehow doesn't finish that off after hitting about 50 irons within three feet all week. But, uh, yeah. you know. I, I can close the tournament. Clearly he can't. He just needed a rain delay. Oh, damn. Nah, nah,
0: we're Respect not for my
1: Sorry. Brother. Sorry, but uh, yeah. So, you know what? Let's wrap up the PGA Tour stuff. The playoffs are here. Um, it should be interested. We're at uh, TPC Boston this week. So, you know, I, I basically, uh, you know, Kepka's going to walk away with it, I think, right?
0: Well, walk away with the tournament or...
1: The Twitter sphere.
0: Well, he's already he's already like cut that down like a tree and just put it over his shoulder and be like, "Let me pick that up." um I mean, you mean you're talking about this week as a favorite? Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, you know what? I, I don't think he's a clear cut favorite, not even close. But uh, maybe there's uh, Yeah, personal favorite. I'm I'm a big fan of the sway, kind of the attitude, the kind of fuck it, play it as it lies attitude that he lives. Listen,
0: I've been I've been kicking this around in my head the past couple of days, but. Uh, if we're in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society, well, uh, I uh, can we put Brooks Koepka on the official clock, so to speak, where it's just kind of like, hey, guess what? Like, now's your you, – you wouldn't be a repeat champion at any of the majors that you won, correct, um, because it's the U.S. Open PGA, which is always good – that's always so cool in sports, where it's just like if the Lakers could have got X amount of a row or if, like, the Spurs could have got Y amount in a row. It's, it's always fun to me to see champions – multiple in a row champions that that signifies dominance uh, see tiger woods see jack nicholas but when it comes to brooks i mean if people have written off dj like i have and they still kick his carcass down the road or rory's too i mean it's like who's who's the next person that's going to be like starting to be uh, taken apart it's brooks kepka nobody else is in the position to be taken off the uh, taken off the pedestal right
1: well you, you hit the nail on the head here four majors are, our our pal Jimmy Herman has just as many PGA tour wins in the last two years as our boy Rory McIlroy. So, you know, at at what point does, you know, shout out to our friend at no laying up big Randy, at what point do we pronounce these guys dead?
0: I mean, that's, that's why I hate people get on my case for, but I like to call things early, like Tony Finau, where I'm just kind of like, Hey, you know what? This, this, this guy was DOA. I mean, I'm not saying he was, he, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying like it, it comes down to victories. When we want to talk about prestige. That's why I bring up Charles Hell III. No one's going to talk about him and he's going to go down as quite possibly one of the most successful, quietest players of all time, but he doesn't do it in a sexy way. Was he successful? Yes. But no, because we, he didn't take any top tens and majors and he didn't, except for one. And he didn't win like diddly squat, But because that's how we measure people. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the, in, in America, uh in the national football league people sucked the 85 bears off left and right every chance they get to be fair that was one title in what turned out to be a two and a half year run of some pretty good dominance and just all the balls bouncing the right way one year but i mean jim mcmahon baby yeah don't get me started but but we could go we can go on for days like americans go on for days even if you're not a bears fan about how that's one of the greatest teams of all time one of the greatest legacies i'm like hold on a second i remember 10 years of pittsburgh teams who have a lot to say about that i mean you want to talk about i mean that's that's why i like jack so much and i to a different extent tiger and why i like walter Hagen. these guys are up into the teens with their major championships which are the ultimate in victories which is why i find brooks Kepka so fascinating i mean he's he's just becoming like the uh the high profile hitman just going after just the the majors which we know which i'm fine with i mean he just uses all these tournaments as a tune-up i just like seeing him out there not getting hurt
1: Hmm. yeah fair it's a fair take and and he's doing it his own way i think we covered that pretty well in last week's episode so uh what other golf tournaments do we have to cover this week
0: that have happened mm-hmm Oh, well, there was at, uh, thank you. I mean, you, you really put a, a bow on it, on the tee. Um, the U S the 120th United States amateur, uh, just took place at band dunes golf resort, where, um, uh, if you're one of the dozens and dozens of listeners that have uh, still been listening, uh, I bet a dozen of you I've caddied for, um, because you met me on Twitter, which, um, Oh, by the way, uh I got this. Is the, this is the first I've talked to it about with anybody. I got called in the boss's office today because a couple of weeks ago somebody uh sent a letter to my boss trying to get me fired for something I was uh, tweeting back and forth with them about. <laughs> oh God! And the sad thing is, even though I'm, I'm, I like, I, I admit all the blame and everything's fine. Everything's been taken down. um The other side didn't. I, I kind of wanted to tell myself, I'm like, hey, who's his boss? Can I email him? I mean, just, just, just because. I mean, uh, essentially, um. I, I don't know. It's, I have experienced my first part of can, uh, cancel culture and I'm just kind of like, Oh, well I can keep doing what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was guilted pretty bad today about my, I knew this would happen to me, but being a freelance uh, human being, I thought this uh, should like, honestly, I've, I've never been admonished for my politics before, but then again, I've never really put them out there. <laughs> this is, and this was even political. This was just strictly somebody saying I was wrong about information I was right about and things got out of hand quick. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> needless to say i really felt like it was 50 50 in terms of both of our participation and hire. but uh one of those 50s emailed my boss and uh tried to get me fired like straight up like demanded that i was terminated from the band dudes golf resort caddy yard and i'm not terminated and at the end of that conversation i was given a uh, five uh five hole a five course three-day job starting today which i already did the 18 holes of so um I'm not going to say the guy's name because I uh, have since he's since blocked me, but I've looked at he's changed his avatar and his name uh, to like something very generic and not his name. And I, I'm a big fan of put your name on it. But I mean, yeah, I did go after him and I love all my followers on Twitter. But uh, eh, I'll tell you, I guess from here on out, if you see me go after somebody, which will be few, then you go after him, too. Not just anyone I go after, because he was getting dri- driven by and rightfully so. Like I look at him like, hey, they ain't my policy. They're, they live across the street. So <clears throat> anyways, I'm sorry. Bandon Golf Resort had the uh, U.S. Amateur. And uh, if anyone was following uh, my feed at Jerry Lou Looper, I caddied for Jack Wall from New Jersey. He did not make the cut. We, um, I essentially, if you want to uh, pepper me with questions in any regard that you have, Smitty, I have a certain segment that I would kind of interview you for as a recent club championship uh, uh, recipient. And also a scratch golfer and who has played band dunes. I want your perspective on some of the angles and what you saw on TV, but before now we're going to do two separate things here. I would like to think that we got the U S amateur part. And then I want to address anything that happened with Brent Brewer, the caddy um, and his golfer, uh, Segunda Olivia Pinto. I, I, I get stuck between calling him Pinto and Segundo. I'm starting to call him Segundo because I've actually been talking about him a lot lately. So mm-hmm. what, uh, what would you like to know in terms of like, before I ask you what you would, what you liked about what you saw?
1: You know what? A, a lot of things I liked. Um, I thought, you know, it, Obviously Fox did not cover it this year. It was kind of a, a very late kind of bait and switch move with uh, NBC, the golf channel and Fox, um, you know, did they have the same amount of coverage? No. Um, was I extremely worried when I heard that news about maybe potentially never seeing band and dunes on TV this year? Yes. So am I very glad that they did? Absolutely. Um, I thought they did a bang up job. I, I thought that, the job by bones um, was outstanding being on the ground there and commentating uh, thinking about a lot of things, you know, as a scratch golfer, I I tend to think about a lot of things, right. You kind of know what's going on. And then finally, you know, that perspective from actually playing there and joining the thousands potentially millions of, of people out there who I hope tuned in who have played at Bandon Dunes and Bandon Trails and were able to experience the same things I was. Um, I think a couple of the first questions for you are, are just, you know, how how was the course set up maybe a little bit differently from regular resort guests? Um, I know the weather was a, a little windy early on and really died off. So there's some kind of prime scoring conditions later in the event. But, you know, overall, how was how were the courses set up uh, differently or maybe
0: surprisingly similarly to everyday resort play? Well, uh, our predominant, our predominant win we had all week was, uh, uh, eight, uh typical for the time of year it was coming out of the North, mm-hmm. um, trails. I, I gotta admit, I really didn't see much of trails, uh, for about a month and a half, just the way the ball bounced in terms of all the other places I was working, uh, Sheep Ranch and, and the like, but, um, I thought the greens at trails would be a little faster. They were fine. They were great. But you know how banded dunes greens are. Those rolled just as fast as they looked and they were great. But trails, I thought, would have a lot of time to heal and would have tried to be on some kind of par, so to speak. I was very, very entertained at all the te- like essentially. So they did stroke play qualifying 18 holes at banded dunes, 18 holes at banded trails. And then when they switched all the match play over, it was just strictly on banded dunes. They got very creative with those tee boxes. I'd say with some of the pin placements, they didn't put anything out out there that surprised me. Except say for sometimes when I'd see a pin placement, I'd say to myself, now are are they just trying to ask for a birdie fest here? Or they want people to win with birdies here? Because to me, that's the thing I like about match play is you can really go on a bender and maybe still, much like how number 15 did, the par three in the semis, all four of the guys went through there, and it was double bogey, double bogey, double bogey, triple bogey for all four of the guys who were in the semis. Uh granted the guys who played today didn't uh, that I can't for didn't fare that much better. But I mean it was funny because that was a topic conversation on Twitter because people are just like, Is fifteen that hard? And I'm just kinda like, in that wind, yeah. I mean it can be one of the most intimidating shots where I'm on the record of saying like, people are just like, well, where do you, uh, where's your miss? I'm just like the left half of the green. There is no, that, Oh, and that's also where you want to hit it too. I mean, it's just like, there's. Yeah. Cause I know
1: speaking from personal experience that we had that same wind, uh, I want to say 15 to 20 miles an hour. It was a great day to play, but yeah, there is absolutely zero place to miss on that hole. Um, so you know, going into the event, I, uh, I actually mentioned my girlfriend. I'm like, Hey, like, it's a great opportunity to actually watch somebody who knows how to play golf, hit the shot that I wanted to hit. And it was like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Let's say you miss short, right. Or, or long, right. On two abandoned dunes, the par three. Um, yes. now I don't, I, I don't know which tees they were playing. I don't know exactly which pins they were playing to. Um, but some of the misses around that golf course, like it's basically, you know what, you're going to be chipping it and or putting, bumping it to 20, 30 feet at best. Just take your potion and go. So, you know, it, it was very interesting to watch on that semifinal the Saturday night um, in the evening there, watching them play that 15th hole. It, it, it looked not impossible. You just, you got to know where you have to miss. And that's left there. And you, when you miss two left or sorry, too long. And when you miss two to the right, which the four players did that creates an impossible scenario. You're ping ponging back and forth. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to see some of those shots happen.
0: Yeah. Now uh, that leads me to a question I want to ask you, but uh, I'm kind of gonna, I don't know, bait you a little bit in that. Well, no, I guess it's not baiting you. That, like I said earlier, we had we had really, really stronger than normal wins, and then they kicked down to less than normal. And, and more so, the thing that baited me, the thing that like uh, really surprised me, was these guys played Bandon Dunes better than played Bandon Trails. A lot of the golfers got bad draws. Just so be it. Uh, like our first tee time uh, for stroke play was ten eighteen, and our next tee time the next day was two forty. I mean, it was just like we didn't get a single positive draw. I mean, the wind was starting to die down for us, but my boy Jack seemed to play better in the wind at Bandon. Everyone, I I know there were some good scores at Trails, but everyone seemed to turn in great scores at Bandon. And then all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden, the the I I worked with NBC and I followed a couple of groups. That Ali Osborne kid, I followed him early while he was just playing cat and mouse with whoever he was playing with. It wasn't even funny. And yeah. and my boy Jack that I caddied for in the in the amateur, he even I look you might have seen. I just put uh, our our name up here on the wall, the Jack Wall wall. Um, Absolutely. He uh, like like I said on Twitter, I'm enamored with Jack's game, and Jack, not in so many words is enamored with uh, Ollie Osborne's game. And I remember watching him, and he was one of those kids where after watching for three holes and just like, I can't tell what his strength is. But there's a lot of these guys who are that good where it's just like, that's how good they are. It's like all their strengths are that equal. He drove the ball tall and through the wind, and he would stick it to 10 feet every time, no matter where it was at. And he made the putt every time. And that's what made me go, oh, yeah, that's why he's three up after three, stupid. It, it's not, try, quit trying to look for, like, that's what, that's how he beats you. It's like, while you're trying to figure him out, he's like, zip, zip, zip just, just right by you. I mean...
1: Yeah, it, and I think Ollie definitely showed what his game can be like. Um, this is a kid who shot 77 at Bandon Dunes in round number one stroke play.
0: He, he got then, his first by the way, and he just... And then he
1: just turned it around, shoots 64, so he bookends his round at trails with a bogey on the first hole, which, you know, I get it. U.S. Amateur, you're probably nervous.
0: It's a tricky hole, too. Come on, the first hole at trails is, is not the easiest
1: it, hole. It's, it's very wide, though, off the tee. It just doesn't look it. It's visually intimidating. And then he bogeys 17, 18, which, yes, definitely can be done at trails. Mm. But he posts 10 birdies in between. Like, come yeah. on. So the guy can clearly play, um, goes out and steamrolls the competition. I believe the only time he saw the 18th hole in match play was in the final match, which he yeah. clawed his way back into on the back nine.
0: Would you say that's a disadvantage to some golfers? Like, uh, cause you don't get, he, he saw the 18th hole twice that day. And that was the only times really he saw it in a while. I think
1: if maybe it's like a tricky green or, you know, maybe it's extremely intimidating, but the 18th hole abandoned dunes, um, played properly. You can, you know, other than obviously, so Mr. Stofracci played a, beautiful second shot on the 18th hole to ultimately win and and clinch a four iron from about 245 yards. He basically stuck it to about 15 feet. Um, You know, other than I would say very, very few opportunities to hit a close and two on that hole. um, It does require an extremely left to right second shot to kind of find, you know, any hole that's kind of tucked behind that middle bunker. But, you know, it can easily be played at the same time, being a little conservative, maybe taking a wood or a hybrid off the tee, laying up with a longer iron and and having a very doable up and down from 110 to 80 yards out as a traditional par five. So, you know, a very interesting hole. Did he have the advantage? You know what? I think he had the advantage in the fact that he just won 16 and 17 to get back to square in that match. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the guy didn't hit literally planet earth with two shots on the 16th and 17th hole. He skulls went out of the bunker, um, on 16, tough shot, right? That 50, 60, 70 yard bunker shot, pretty much impossible. Um, unless you're Paul Casey at the PGA championship the week prior, but, uh, you know, other than that one was, um, you know, the second shot, you know, on 17, he basically chunks it and, and comes up short, right. Kind of Alas, last Spieth at, at the masters, but uh clearly the momentum was on mr osborne's side, and you know what it it took some guts, uh, definitely some grit for for mr starfaci to to pull off that four iron second shot, make birdie on the seventy second hole, and lock up that USAM championship
0: so will that will bleed me into because we can't uh we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the Q to won it, but uh starfaci, your thoughts yeah. at all about i mean he, he seemed to have some grand, uh, endings for a lot of his matches, but I mean, the kids still earned it. Uh, what are your thoughts overall?
1: Yeah. You know, he mowed down, uh, a, a lot of kind of the big guns in the tournament, Stewie Hagestad, uh, kind of the lifetime am in the quarterfinals, um, mm-hmm. you know, beat Mr. Gupta, Amon Gupta who shot 62 or 63 at trails in day one, Sixty-two. Well, yeah. sixty-two. Yeah, um, you know, obviously he had those two bunker shots in the semi out of the fairway bunker on 18. And I know I we would, were going uh, back
0: and forth. That's going to be a big, that's going to be a big one. I want to talk about that's almost as big as the, uh, the brand thing. Yeah. Like let's get it out of the way right now. Um, no, I, hold on. No, no. Cause I feel like I could talk more about that than like yeah. his due because honestly, I, I watched the Hagstead match personally. I wasn't working mm-hmm. for NBC that day. I was out there spilling $65 scotches on my shoe and, uh, which was not a, a, it was a party foul, not a drunken foul. I'm on 11 T. I go to grab something out of my pocket because I'm lighting a cigar and my finger just nicks the corner of the club cup and just tumbles right onto my foot. And everyone's like, Oh, and I turn and look at everyone. And I'm like, well, thank God the bar is only 500 yards away. And I just start stomping through the wind towards the clubhouse. Just like, I'm going to buy another $65 scotch. It was a triple, but it, it's got guys. I'm not, I'm not insane. It wasn't a single. Okay. I had to get, I had to get a triple. I was going out there on the course for a bit. So, but I was trying to live it up, having a good time because, we had gone down to, in the um, quarterfinals, um, uh, that was the round of 16, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we were down to Sorry, four. Sorry, round, round of eight for the quarters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, whatever it was, we got down to, I think it was like the round of 16. We only had four banded Dunes caddies left in it, and two of them were going head-to-head. So in the round of eight, I went and watched our one that was remaining because he beat the one that was going head-to-head. Oh, and actually, uh, uh, and then and then the other one was Brandt, who uh, uh, lost it for him. And then another one was the group I was following, who uh, went up, who uh, caddied for Lundell and uh, at the last second against um, uh, poor uh, Osborne. Uh, and I watched Lundell in the very first two holes, like hole one and two he lost, because it's like, yeah, that's what happens when you squack a five iron, like 50 yards right here. Target, what are you doing here? Like, I mean, I was, and and it was abandoned. What hole is that? Sorry? We, abandoned caddy got in the bag real quick dave bottomer shout out nice guy but i was just like oh good we have another abandoned caddy in the mix here this is gonna go great and next thing i know it's like the first two holes it's like uh the guy that dave was caddying for just forgot how to hit irons other than like flared to the right any worse would have been a flushed shank it was the worst thing i ever seen it's like first two holes i'm just like well those are two for osborne bye bye i mean and then like and then lindell started playing good but osborne was just like nope i'm, I'm two orbits ahead of you now i mean but anyway so we got down to one caddy I followed the Hagistead, uh starfaci match uh, because I was rooting for our caddy. And uh, yeah, he didn't win. So it was the only time – I don't try to advertise this. It's the only time we haven't had a Dunes caddy on the winning bag or team for whatever event we've had uh, held at the resort. And the, and the events have been um, um, many.
1: Yeah, I believe this is the seventh USGA championship at – Band Doom's fourth or seventh. Um, yeah. And they were actually giving a lot of shout outs on the NBC broadcast and they brought that point up. Um, I know you would have been on the resort, not be able to, well, I shouldn't say not able to watch the broadcast, but there's a much better seat, which is live on the scene, which would have been incredible. Um, yeah. But to
0: speak to that, I had credentials and check it out. Cha, the stupid USGA gave me two sets of credentials. So if somebody else had my name, uh, you could have been and and you did and tested negative for COVID, which, by the way, I did. That's one of the things that made you be a part of the amateur was this guy's neck COVID negative suckas. Anyways, um, I essentially had like a ticket to spectate what is pretty much as big as a major. Just like even with nobody being there, I felt the sensation going like, oh, my God, this feels like a major. Though I've never been to a major before. But also at the same time, it's like this this little thing right here was my ticket to go watch anytime I wanted to. And there was no crowd, so it'd just be like, I'm just going to sashay up to the bar anytime I want to, and just get a beer, and just go stand where I want to in the holes, and just, and it was great. I mean, that was uh, that was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it's something that, like, yeah, uh, because of COVID, probably not going to happen again in certain regards, certain respects. So, um, uh, yeah, let's. Okay, I'm done. With, I'm done talking about the winner. Screw him. Uh, his and his dad's a piece of crap. No, his, da- his dad. You know. what? I would do the same thing as dad would do. If I was there, I had to delete all the tweets this morning. I get it. But in the end, um, I started calling him a daddy because that's pretty much what he was. And uh, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on Frank? Well,
1: yeah. If Frank wants to be the star of the U S amateur, then why don't you try to qualify with all the other players and, and maybe play your way to get there like that. And do we really need to talk about it each shot for two and a half minutes before we hit it? Like,
0: like, pop quiz what's Eldrick? uh what, what's earl woods handicap do you ever did you ever know
1: uh the left knee surgeries i don't know
0: no earl earl his dad yeah i oh <laughs> i don't know probably like a 15 i i didn't i didn't know if like i i mean i i know you're joking say hey frank why don't you tee up in the u.s andrew like hey hold on a second last time i checked uh, uh mr william oh wait he, no no he, no no dad. did he, he really sucks at women's tennis
1: yeah he might who knows um well well, well here's one for you is there a, a, a famous grandpa in their family or something? did I hear anything about that?
0: Oh for oh Starfacci had uh, yeah he um didn't he have a great grandfather grandfather who won the us amateur or won the uh... uh
1: won the u s public links in nineteen who gives a fuck and they oh, went back yeah. to that fourteen times during the broadcast, so I'm like, I don't care about this guy's grandpa like that's great that's cool, but I don't care. Okay, like all the, the, the coverage
0: was... I'll, I'll eat uh, cookies and ice cream five times always been there i thought that was i thought they were just making fun of the kid for snacking i was just like so the kid likes dessert i mean
1: have you had dessert at abandoned dunes like yes, that's the high, it, like yeah do a that's bi- rhetorical week. yeah it's amazing <laughs> i would do the exact same thing if i stayed at abandoned dunes for a week i would eat their desserts because they're amazing um along with everything else but Yeah. Like they almost gave nothing to, to Osborne in coverage in regards to like, I have no idea what his parents do. If he has a family, I don't even know where the kid goes to school. If it wasn't for, uh, who was it? Well, Mr. DeChambeau and who else from SMU has recently won the USM there's Colt Nose and there's another one, but anyways, we had like, we had the battle of the, uh, alma maters going on. We had Georgia tech obviously with last year's winner. And again, this year's winner, um, SMU and everything about Frank Starfacci because I honestly could probably go straight up with him right now and beat him on the golf course so I don't want to talk to Frank
0: doubt it I don't
1: doubt it he just
0: it it is what it is that's why I said hashtag sins of the father now I want to talk about one thing because we want to keep this short episode but we'll talk about what we need to talk about until we get to it and I know people are mostly interested in the brant stuff. And I even had friends tell me they're like, hey, but you get branch on the podcast, and I'm just like, hey, so our all 50 of our listeners can get insight on nothing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the name might what are we gonna go on CNN and be like, Brant Burrers takes out on this little time got podcast out of Canada? No, no, it doesn't work that way. So this is gonna lead into the part I wanted to grill you about. And mm-hmm. uh and I'm gonna interrupt you in the middle for us to do our little advertisement, but um I was going to ask you about, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll just tease it right now for you. And then you think about your answer and then get back to me in a second. But um, I was going to ask you about what certain parts of the broadcast did you really appreciate? Were you looking forward to Or it's just like, Oh, they did this here. Oh, I couldn't believe they spun the ball here. Hey, I wonder what the camera angle is going to look like here, etc. so forth. And we can start with Gupta's 72nd hole when he teed off into the bunker because I, Got to watch literally nine minutes and fifty nine seconds of the championship, and it was right when he got over the ball in the bunker, and it started a dramatic nine minutes and fifty nine seconds in Lou Household over here. I'll let you think of your multiple answers, starting with the Gupta situation because you know where it was in the hole. But real quick, I'm going to tell everybody else about Gorse Golf. Sorry, we've been gone too long, folks, but Gorse Golf is still always here with you and always there to cover your head covers. Gorse Golf head covers, yes made in the us of a i know you guys are canadian but you know if we're americans and we buy something that's made in the usa and show it off we're proud of it if you buy something that says made in the usa and show it off you're hip i don't know whatever i mean it's it's funny it's ironic to you it's proud to us we love it anyways my boy crazy and his lovely wife have started a head cover company years ago and now they still bring you the great low prices that are at 50 and 40 bucks a head cover which are half the price of the cheapest shameless golf head covers and if you use our promo code or excuse me, coupon code, bomb squad pod, all one word, that's bomb squad pod, all one word. You get an additional 10% off at gorsegolf.com on your purchase. They're the best head covers. They're the most affordable head covers. And here's 10 more percent off. If you got Instagram, go check them out at gorse uh, canvas outers, hundred percent hand-sewn fleece centers. I'm not reading any of this. I just know all this stuff it's gorse golf and uh, they're gonna be getting us some custom gear soon Schmidt if you're uh, if you're so inclined so uh, Ooh, uh he, I' I've, very I've, interested I've, I've seen some knockups. they look pretty good uh, pretty 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 good so gorse golf they look like also, gold
1: Jerry gold
0: indeed uh, indeed and also if you have any questions for the show please email us at bomb squad pod Q a at gmail.com bomb squad pod Q a at gmail.com we are a part of sport travel sport dash travel radio network it's a great podcast network headed up by our network director tyson ty childs and uh please subscribe to our show i mean i know you download and listen but if you hit the subscribe you know you don't have to download and that helps our numbers and then if you rate i just saw my buddy josh Jeppy, my old head pro when i was an assistant pro back in maryland he left a very nice review just because i told him to he said he's like very funny and informative he didn't even use grammar or an lol or a joke or nothing he's he's very good. I, I see you. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll wrap this up. Excuse me. So are you holding your breath this whole time?
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I, I did have a shout out. I was going to save, but uh, at the same time, I had a couple of great messages through our social media channels saying, you know, didn't know you're doing a pod. Great job, boys. Keep it up. So shout out to Kev G uh, shout out to Sean. S. Great listeners. Hope you enjoy this one as well. So thanks to all our listeners for those great reviews, smash well- those hashtags
0: you mostly can find us yeah, bombs away. Hashtag. I'm trying to do one uh, where like where if I hand a golfer a driver, I just say bay doors open, like All bays open. And then with a big one, it's bombs away. It's going to take a while to get used to, but Spitty, where can they find us on the Twitter machine? That's usually the big one. They can find you and who and where
1: uh, they can find me at bomb squad, okay. Matt, both on the uh, Twitter sphere and the Instagram sphere. What about yourself?
0: Oh, I'm at Jerry Lou Looper because I have to uh, protect my brand as an independent contractor as a caddy because people can still email other employees uh, at salary people and almost get me fired. And the, uh, the Twitter feed is at bomb squad golf co we, we didn't, we tripped over that last time, but that's, that's where you can, uh, really mix it up. And, uh, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. you can get us more likes than those other sites that you're liking right now. Cause I know, cause you followed me there first and you followed me over here. So why don't you unfollow them? Got it. Anyways mr smith um gupta's bunker shots so let me set my scene for you real quick before you um plug in here i guess uh, uh the wife grabbed my pad and uh ipad and uh and she thank um, you for clarifying in, in case in case pad something like in like thailand somebody's just like Boo! anyways um she grabs the ipad And like finds out on NBC Sports that, hey, we can watch 10 minutes for free before you have to purchase. So I'm like, oh, splendid. I love doing this. Now, I've noticed, I don't know if I've said in so many words or I've told you yet, Matt. I've definitely said on podcasts before, but I've noticed I have a penchant for tuning in at like literally when the plane hits the tower or literally when when Phil Mickelson was swatting back his ball past the hole. We had just had a long day. We'd just gotten to her mom's house. And I'm like, hey, let's turn on some golf, huh? How about we sit down and it's 110 degrees out. Let's watch some golf. I turn it on. And right as soon as I turn it on, it's when Phil's hitting the putt and then jumping over to get it. And I'm just like, that wasn't a replay. Like, I looked at her. I'm like, are we in a twilight zone right now? Like, wh- how come I keep getting to witness these zany things? So, smash cut to Gupta's uh, 70s, excuse me, uh, 18th a hole in his round. This was the uh, semis. This is the semis. semi five, yes. And, uh, as soon as the screen comes on, it shows Gupta in the fairway bunker, which has got to be a good 300 yards, 300 yards plus from the tee. He's kind of uh, the a to dogleg right, big crescent par five. You can kind of go straight at it, but there's bunkers and rough in the way and then a gorge on the right that you just don't want to bring into play. But um, he, uh, as soon as the feed came on, it showed Gupta in a bunker and he was sizing it up. He was sizing up and I, and and he was like, looking like he was going straight at the hole. It said two thirty-five to the hole. So I thought at best, if that pins in the back, it's two ten to the front edge, which it's not. And I just like, I just remember elbowing Jennifer real hard. And I'm just like, and I looked at her and said, if that is a seven iron or higher lofted, we're okay. But I don't think anyone knows how steep that sucker is. Like he is, that's a, we don't have any greenside bunkers that deep on the course. And he's aimed right at the, and as soon as he goes to take the swing back and hits it, I wonder what would happen if he would have flushed it, but he didn't. Instead, he cracks it thin, whap, right up into the lip of the bunker, rolls back down to his feet. And then the part, that wasn't the part where the president hit the drop all bombs button. That was when the one drunk general accidentally slipped and his elbow hit the button. Where things really went thermonuclear was when he made, I'm sorry, golfers listening, the biggest bone-headed resort golfer move in resort golf history when he hit the lip and the ball rolled back down to his feet he resettled his stance waddled like a stupid little duck kept the same club in his hands and then took the club back and cracked thin into the lip again but a different part of the lip now at this point i still don't know what club he had in his hand and then he wedged out smitty what are your thoughts on the fairway bunker situations on eighteen that you can encounter
1: um yeah, I really don't know what would have been going on in his mind. Um,
0: Machismo, so I mean, man. That's what gets all us dumb golfers.
1: Have he, but he's got Alan Bratton on the bag, right? He's got his collegiate who? coach. Isn't sorry, it Alan Bratton?
0: I'm sorry. I didn't know who that was. I know who I know who it is now. I didn't know who that was his caddy. <laughs> <week. laughs>
1: yeah, his, his caddy was his, his university coach, the OSU golf coach, Oklahoma State. So he oh. caddied for... He caddied for Hovland when he won. Um, he may have caddied for Peter Uline when he won at Chambers Bay. But um, yeah, like the guy's experience. Like at that point, at, like how do you think you were going to get? It, it looked like a six iron, six or seven iron, maybe, maybe even a five iron. I'm not sure. It can't
0: sure be what, anything
1: else. Yeah, and it, the fact that when he hit his second one, and which didn't even actually clear the sand in the bunker it didn't even get high enough to hit the lip and he goes oh like what's going on it's like what's going on is you're trying to hit a five iron with a four foot lip in front of you out of a fairway bunker like what do
0: you think no no, so, no 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 no, no. see I, I i was near that bunker today i almost took a picture when you're standing outside the bunker it's five feet high so when you're mm-hmm. down there in the bunker that bunker is like seven feet, eight feet deep. Like when you're down there, you don't know where you're hitting at. I mean, that's why I was like, I saw it on TV. I'm like, wait, is that the, is that the, Oh no, don't hit a long. He tried it. I mean, it was just, Oh man.
1: Yeah. And for me, I'm a picker with my iron. So a fairway bunker shot really doesn't intimidate me. Um, I rarely hit them fat. Yes. You're going to hit them thin, if anything. So, you know, me being a picker, I usually add a little bit of loft. I, I hit a, a very high ball. Um, even I would never think of hitting anything more than a pitching wedge out of that shot, like probably yeah. a gap wedge, hit it 115, 120 yards up the fairway, and at least give yourself a, a shot at hitting the green and three, which is all he needed at that point, right? Yeah. Um, all he needs is to hit the middle of the green and three. And he took that completely out of his hand by pulling that. So, yeah, great point by you. It's probably something you see way too often in far less severe bunkers. But yeah, that no, that bunker, bunker, bunker shot was a death every, bun-
0: every bunker, yeah. I don't have to, so folks. We 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 all have the pleasure of the, uh, of knowing that my co-host is a scratch golfer. So usually, one of the one of the keys to playing better golf is course management, or just like managing your mental state as well. Where it's just like, I mean. That's why I like stroke play or match plays because like, yeah, you can get really nuts, but then you can contain it as opposed to stroke play where it's like, no, you have to double contain it. Like, you have to put out the fire right now as opposed to like, I'll just keep an eye on that fire knowing it will go out eventually, I mean. Mm-hmm. So now other than the uh, 18, the bunker situation at 18, here's your little moment before we talk about the final thing because everyone's been very patient with us for the past 40 minutes. This was supposed to be the length of the episode and we haven't even talked about the real meat and potato yet. But what were you looking forward to Here's one of two questions I want to ask you: What were you looking forward to seeing the most on TV? What hole? What approach? What tee shot? What angle? Was there something you wanted to be like? Hey, how are the pros gonna? I'm sorry, I call them pros. They're all amateurs. They're literally the opposite. How are the good guys gonna do this? What was there anything like? For me, for example, I really wanted to see how they approach number 13, the par five and two. Because yes, for resort guests, a, resort guests, uh, here's an insider track for anyone who hasn't been to Bandon Dunes uh 13 par 5 uh on Bandon Dunes uh summertime plays downwind. The key to playing that hole is if you're 250 out from center in the pins and center, you go way left and you saw off about 30 yards. You play the wind, you bumble it down those uh it, it's much like uh, the approach to number 10 at Old Mac. If you keep it left, you have a chance. If you go straight at it or you're short or you're right, I mean it just stays down in the pit of car- uh, of, of Carcoon. So For me, I wanted to see those guys the way they played it. They played it so damn good. They were going driver seven iron into that hole, and they were dropping shots straight down with spin, which was amazing. So I did not get to see. I should have thought of that, you know, hindsight, foresight. I should have thought to myself oh no these guys aren't going to be hitting driver hybrid or driver three into these holes like a lot of the guys i see which is, which i let me put it this way the way i see the golf mostly is more exciting it's more exciting to see those balls rumble up there like a piece of gravel tumbling down the road and you don't know whose driveway it's going to stop in and that's the luck of the draw so are there, do you have any examples like that
1: i think that's a great point like i thought the back nine i would say starting at 12 10 you know, they, I think they were moving the the tees around where it's drivable a couple of days. Um, Eleven's just a long, gritty. You got to pipe a drive, um, it hit a great second shot. It's it, it's almost like the the tee shot on the fifteenth hole going into that green, especially into that wind. Same direction, kind of same thing. Bunker on the right, um, but really. The fun part starts at 12 at the par 3 heading back towards the ocean. You get the little pop bunker. It's almost like the road hole green where it's, you know, going from front right to back left. You got that oh, pop yeah, bunker. Yeah, like that. I like you, that. You got you got crap long, you got crap to the right, right? So that hole followed by 13 the par 5 like you mentioned. Then they had a drivable par 4 14, which was very neat to oh. see.
0: It was playing 360 heavily downwind to the point where uh, my guy was practicing and playing that hole, hitting hybrid on that hole. And we were hitting perfect tee shots and having Eagle putts. I mean.
1: Yeah. So, so shout out to the USGA for just taking that into play. A, what a great match play hole, you know, obviously the very difficult par three 15th and then, you know, we've got the postcard hole, right? The 16th abandoned dunes, the short drivable 16th. So, um, you know, I, from experience, have hit one 100 yards into the ocean, uh, reloaded and hit the, basically the shot I wanted to, hitting a hybrid to basically front edge, but just in the bunker or the, the sand shore of the green. Um, but what an excellent hole and and just an incredible back nine design when they, they knew they were building this with the goal of a, a major amateur event to be hosted at the club. That was Mr. Kaiser's, you know, passion. He wanted to host the U S amateur. And the fact that as a, almost like the design was intended to be played for match play, not stroke play. It was ultimately a, a very fantastic final, lots of birdies, lots of different strategy everywhere from triple bogey to Eagle was at play. And You know, nothing more apparent than the the 35th hole of the final, or sorry, the 34th hole of the final. And that came into play. Birdies driving the green almost, you know, hitting in a fairway bunker, then blading it over the green. Everything was in play, which I think was a a great testament to the the design. So um, as somebody who's played the course, I thought it was very interesting to see the different strategies. Um, And ultimately, like you said, it's exciting for a mid-handicap, a 15-20 mid handicap, handicap to be able to hit a great shot, as well as a guy who's preparing for the PGA Tour and hitting a completely different club and yeah. ultimately getting the same result. So that's a testament to the design that, yes, it's playable from everywhere from a, a PGA Tour caliber player to the guy who plays 10 times a year. He, he gets it around at a 15-20 handicap and wants to go to Bannon Dune. So. It's just a testament to the golf course, I think, ultimately, and the design by uh, by the McKid group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and something I, oh, a little surprise, surprise, I didn't get to tell you about. I got a selfie with me and Dave McClay Kid on the fourth fairway in one of my favorite spots, shooting down towards the green, because I was picking my spot. Like, I, I had a few beers and I was like trying not to be garish or whatever, but this was during the Hagistead, um uh, Starfacci match in the round of eight. And I knew i knew it was David mcclay kid he's hard to miss uh and he's nearby so the whole time I'm like oh he's following our group i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna p- place my shot so i can just like get a selfie with him but i'll go up to him and be like and this is exactly what i did i was just like hey uh, david i've been waiting for this spot can we get a selfie real quick he's like yeah sure now he flew in there he violated the bubble okay spoiler oh sorry no big news but he helped design the place. He flew in there on his own private plane. If anyone is allowed to like bring in a little bubble inside the bubble, I think it was acceptable. If anyone hears this now, I doubt it. They can try and arrest them or whatever. I don't care because, you know, just don't email my boss to get me fired. But, um, basically like when I saw David a lot, like I'd bump him into the halls and everything or whatever, I'd go up for a fist bump or whatever. And he would kind of just like, you kind of shrink away to the side of the hall and be like, I get it. Either you don't like me or it's like you're being contained or whatever. But I didn't share the selfie online because it was very awkward. There was like a big gap between us. And at the last second, I just kind of put my hand on his shoulder. So like all you see is just this like arm that's like a foot away from him. And I'm just kind of like, hi, we're close. I mean, we're friends. <laughs> we're architects. Uh, but all I said to him, and I, this is all I wanted to say to him was, He's like, hey, David, can I please have a selfie with you right here? He's like, of course, take the selfie. I shake his hand and say, I'm a caddy here, and if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have uh, got my livelihood started back here in the year 2000. Granted, I didn't work there for several years in the middle, but, I mean, it's grown to what it is now, and that's the reason why <clears throat> I like it so much. So that was just a fun little Easter egg or nugget or whatever, but um, um was, there, now, was there anything you were disappointed about? I mean, to wrap up the part where, like, your interpretations of the – Um, Your interpretations of the course, like things you chose to, I mean, did you, or did you find yourself surprised by anything?
1: I was, I was just surprised by the different tee boxes they used. Um, Not the longest golf course in the world, right? Probably measured between 7,000, 7,100 yards for most of the, the match play, which is, you know, you know, for basically an elite event. Um, pretty short by today's standards. So, um, just kind of interested in seeing the different tees, especially the par threes being, you know, if you wanted to stretch them out, they're all between, I would say 190 to 210 yards now, albeit in, in all different directions. But I was interested to see which tees they'd be playing on the par threes. And they definitely mixed them long and short on all of them for the week. So, so kudos to the USGA for actually setting up a course properly in the last five years.
0: Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, g- good job on you, USGA. I- I'm about. I want. I have something I want to grill them about in this last part that we're going to discuss. So, um, in the round of uh, eight, yes, no, the round of sixteen. Yeah, the round of sixteen, when uh, Segundo Luvia Pinto was playing uh, uh, Starfachi. Uh, Tyler was it? Tyler Starfachi. Tyler. Yep. And. Um, I was really stoked for this guy Pinto or Segundo rather I'll call him by his first name, be a friend. Um, he, uh, because he was really playing hot and my very, very well, my my best friend, Brant Brewer, whom I told how to sign up for the U S amateur. I showed him where to do it because he's a newer caddy and he's young. Well, he's not young. He's, he's like exactly my age to the day almost. That's what makes us good friends. Um, I took him hat shopping before he, he, he went on TV when he was out doing well with his golfer. Like, I, the few times I saw him, he, we all had nothing but chest bumps. You know, we were pumped. We wanted a banding caddy. You know, we wanted a banding caddy to win, didn't matter who it was. So, in the 18th hole between the Starfaci and Pinto match, I was finishing up with the Osborne-Lindell match that just finished 7-5 and five on 13-green. And over my headset, I didn't get the green light from NBC, Jeff at NBC. Man. I didn't get the uh, green light from him that I was coming back the next day because he would tell people as they're finishing up their shift, be like, all right, show up tomorrow at one, show up tomorrow at two. Or he'd just be like, thank you for your help. And I, I kept having radio problems. And he said, like, well, these are $1,000 radios, so be careful. And I want to tell him, you need $2,000 radios because I look like an asshole out there trying to do good for you. And you're sitting here yelling and be like, Jerry, come on, man. I need to hear, it. Jerry, where are you? I need to hear you. like, this is Jerry. I'm over here. See me waving, like, on the camera? I mean, Anyways, um, so I'm walking off the course because hole 13, uh, par 5 abandon, kind of juts over in between 17 green and 18 tee. So I'm a little, you know, not tired or flustered. Probably both, but I'm kinda of stomping off the course all upset, like my radio wasn't working again. I was working for NBC and it was fun. And I was actually like meeting some people and getting connected. I was hanging out with Nota Begay and he would BS with me about like he'd be like, Hey, what's he lying there? And I'd be like, Oh, he's lying too. And then Nota would like go off there for a couple of seconds and I'd like elbow him later and be like, Hey, you you gotta help me next time I ask that, right? And he starts laughing saying, like, okay, I got you or whatever. I mean, I've seen Nota Begay randomly other times in my life. He's a funny guy. But um I'm I'm so I'm I'm storming off the course. I I, I couldn't be any help. There's a match ending on 18 and there seems to be a lot of people there. A lot of people. There's a few more officials than usual. Uh, Aerial coverage the whole time. There's a little Cessna, which is a single prop uh, um, uh, fixed wing overhead plane, overhead wing plane. Um, And uh, well, I'm just going to chest pass the ball to you. uh, Shmi, were you watching this? Uh, What did you see? And if you didn't happen to see it live, when you happened to see it for the first time, how did you digest it as it transpired? So I'm not going to lie. I was kind
1: of just in and out of uh, doing a couple of chores and, and that match was on. I believe that was Friday evening or is that Thursday that was evening? Thursday. Thursday evening. Yeah. So uh, I think I had to go to a meeting. I, I came back to the house here and... I see on TV, basically, you know, kid in the bunker. And then they flash to the caddy who appeared to be in the sand. He, he. at the end of the day, I look, believe, look, touched the look, fan.
0: Stop, stop. Look, I, I get that second thing you just said. I don't mean to critique what you're saying, but don't say appeared to be when it showed things. Okay. Like it showed some things that like, like and, and we'll get to my part in a second, because I was there. I was a hundred feet away from when it happened. I didn't even know it but when i saw the footage i was just kind of like oh my god this is like way clearer than than any other assassination footage i've seen so continue don't don't give me that appeared appeared to bullshit yes
1: yeah, so the, so the caddy was definitely as the rules call it <laughs> testing the surface uh you know he wasn't trying to make a sandcastle but i don't know if he's trying to write his name in it at the same was time near, like was he near the ball he wasn't really but he, the rule is, is you can't test the surface. And
0: I, I was just asking you, what did you see? I mean,
1: you know, I'm, I'm looking at this cause obviously they weren't showing it live. Like they weren't showing the caddy in the bunker. They ended up having to go to the aerial because I believe the opponent's caddy had s- spotted that happening, um, called the rules official. in, and unfortunately due to match play rules, uh, breaking that rule means loss of hole. So You know, coming into the final hole tied round of 16, um, you've battled your ass off all day. And then your caddy does that, obviously uh, putting young Mr. Pinto in a a bad spot and ultimately costing him his run at the USM. So I'm I'm sure being on the ground right there um, was quite the experience for you as well
0: uh yeah so i'm writing down a note for us to get to like part two so to speak of how much pinto is a class act throughout everything which i'm sure you but that'll tie into like the second part of what, what i'm seeing here but i'm about to say but uh so i'm walking up like walking past 18 green while Starfachi is getting interviewed by bones or whatever this is before pinto is getting interviewed i don't know what's happened i am walking up past the putting green to where the little cart path turns into like a big, like concrete or brick slab, essentially in between the starter shed. And if you keep walking one way, there's a gift shop pro shop. There's like the, the restaurant, everything's right there. And as I'm walking up, I see my boy, Brandt, who I know is catting for Pinto. And I can tell already on the look on Brandt's face that they didn't win the match because he's been pretty much, he went viral the day before on 17 green when his golfer canned a very serious putt. And I, I love the video because like I was just like, oh, was Pinto celebrating too? And no, I looked; he really didn't. But in the background, I heard Grant fist bumped, and when I saw it, fist fist pumped. And when I saw it, I was just like, oh, geez, that was athletic. I mean, like he, like he, like had to lean on part of the flag to do that. Like he, he looked like Father Pat in semi pro when uh, Will Ferrell like hits vachitis during that uh, the during the, the the foul, and like in the background does the whole and one thing. Like just he's given the biggest like and one, just like fist pump, which was adorable. He went viral for that. So. I walk up to Brent and evidently golf channel cameras are on us the whole time. I am walking up. I am Ger- Thank God Jerry Lou knew how to look good and wanted to look good in case he's on TV or not. Cause I was wearing my favorite band shirt. I wasn't wearing the NBC sports hat, which matched the shirt. I wore my white bandon G four hat because that's just a fresh hat and not many people there were wearing it. I look more official, whatever. I'm walking up to Brent and you can't see on TV. Cause I got my mask on. And essentially, if you were to hear me, I'm coming at the brand almost exactly in this tone going like, hey, what's up, man? How's your match going? Like, I was literally about to give him like old prison handshake because we're boys. Like, I'm just like, hey, man, how's your day going? What's up? And as I get closer, I just see this guy who's green in the face. I couldn't tell if he wanted to puke, cry. Just he was just frozen. He looked like he was just like hovering a foot taller than he normally was. He was just like staring over my head. And all he kept doing was he just kept muttering. I touched the sand. I touched the sand. I touched the sand. Now that becomes a factor in the argument here because at the time when he was down there, and I'll I'll address this more, he said that he never touched the sand or something to that degree. His exact wording will come into play here in a moment. And as he was walking up to the clubhouse with his golfer, I guess he kept saying it over and over, like after, after the fact. So when I got there and I was literally the first person to talk to Brandt, that's why I say I was standing on golf's fucking grassy knoll. I was walking up, not knowing what's going on. Brant's just talking to me saying, I touched the sand, I touched the sand. I'm sitting there going, oh, he must've done something in the round that penalizes golfer and they're going back and that's what made him lose or whatever. So I just, I start shrinking myself and I just kind of look at Brant, and I just, I, the only thing I could find the muster after what felt like 60 seconds, but it was probably only 15. is I just said, I just like said, I just, it was so, I just eked out a whisper. I'm like, dog, you can't do that. That's just all I said was like, "Doggy can't do that. And then I look over Bullfrog, my boy, uh, Bullfrog. He's another caddy. And he's just standing next to me. I look at him. We both look like we got it, like, uh, like a Southwest commercial. Like I was talking to my buddy Jason, like, want to get away? Or I'm just like, I just like, we didn't know the cameras were on us. I'm just like, there were people hundred feet away in the bar. Like I said, screaming, get off camera. We see you. It's just like, oh, what? But then I essentially, knowing the gravity of the moment, I just tap chest, uh, the on the chest, like on medium hard. And I just say, short term memory, don't think about it. And I just walked away. I know that's bullshit advice, but I mean it's just like it's just like your quarterback throwing a pick six in the game to lose the Super Bowl. It's just be like, hey, don't think about it. Get them next time, even though there might not be a next time. So, like, so essentially, to to break it all down, I had to kind of take on the role of like Brandt's social media manager without him asking, so to speak, because the boy got eviscerated, and rightfully so. Now, the thing is, I can vow. Val- this is where you and I can have a dialogue, Shmiti. I'm sorry for dominating that that piece of it, but there's some things about this that I really don't appreciate where first and foremost, I don't even, you don't even have to ask me this. Like a lot of people said, why, why there's a tiny amount of precedent, but the rest of it is kind of like, I don't know, like obvi- not as obvious as those nose in your face, but he, let's rewind to the precedent part because this is, he, he called me three days after this happened, did. he hasn't called anyone else. He has paparazzi sitting outside his house right now. He hasn't left his room he's he, i'm the only one he well he's texting with some people but he only called me and that's like any hey, serious news or anything but it's really hard to sit there and talk to your best friend on the phone for 30 minutes knowing the man's exactly your age and 20 of those minutes he's bawling his eyes out he is like i got emotional for at least four of those minutes too it was just it was so hard to hear because i was chalking up to like oh i know Brant. he's only been caddying here 10 months i know he doesn't golf uh, he probably had like the worst brain fart about the rules at the worst possible time. And I look at other people and be like, you know what? I bet he's been doing this for guests, you know, for months. Just who's to say if you don't know a simple rule, if you can't. I almost cost a friend of mine, uh, ladies U.S. Open qualifier, because I like first two greens. I absentmindedly was just wiping my hand on the green, absentmindedly, and they almost cited us for it. I was just like, oh, stop wiping your hand on the green, Jerry, stupid, stupid, whatever. But that was the first two holes. This was a brain fart that happened at the worst time. And then when everyone said like, oh, but he lied about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I get get the first lie. Because the dad, Frank, who's a dick, uh, certified uh, or proven, whatever you want to use, um, certifiable. He came over and was one who pointed it out. No official pointed it out. Like the players didn't point it out. Case in point, when, as you said, it was a loss of whole penalty. I overheard a couple of officials saying the next day, they're like, there aren't too many loss of hole penalties in match play, let alone on the 18th hole. I don't blame the officials because they were put in a tough spot. What I do blame the USGA for is neither one of these kids wanted to accept the penalty. Neither one of them. I got into so many arguments with the people saying, how's that fair to the field? I'm like, there is no field in match play. Match play, the reason why I said that little soliloquy at the start of the episode Wow, my face is getting red. Look at my hand. It's not as red. The only reason why I said that soliloquy at the start of the episode is because when it comes to match play, it's about you and your opponent and what's going on around you within the arm's reach. I hope the other matches behind me are diplomatically figuring shit out for themselves too, if they come across it. When it comes to match play, what happens in your match has nothing to do with the other match except for who wins and who moves on. It's between you and your opponent to dictate. Did you know both those guys left their balls on the 18th hole and refused to pick them up? These kids did not want to enforce the rule. One of them came from that asshole's crotch who pointed it out in the first place and things got out of hand. But I say all this because, that was Tyler, uh, Frank's son, the, the kid who won. But I say all this because in the moment, the caddy, Frank ran over there and yelled, he's testing the sand, he's testing the surface. And Brant tripped in his head. And he meant to say that he wasn't, like, I forget how he put it to me. He said, he, he wasn't, he didn't mean to say the word test. He meant to say the word touch or something they kept hearing him say the word touch instead he he was saying the wrong word with the wrong uh uh, like adjective at the same time and in the end like i mean everyone finally noticed and that was it that was the match now what got them to why brant jumped in the bunker this is what he told me on the phone which is this is the only time I'm ever going to say this. I'm never going to say it on Twitter. It's only going to be on this podcast ever. Just because in my opinion, it's kind of that much of a non sequitur, but it's still fictitious that it should be on the record. And here it is for the record earlier in that round, number 11 hole, the one you were saying that's the number two handicap par four into the wind, the meat grinder. um, uh, 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 Segundo uh, hits his tee shot into a fairway bunker and Brandt is standing outside the bunker outside the bunker trying to get yardage trying to get yardage and segundo says he's like whatever his accent is he's like brother hop in there get get a yardage and brandt immediately freezes and looks over at the rules official and says hey can i jump in there in the sand to get a yardage well there's a red flag right there to be like he knows what he's doing and the rules official said yeah you can go in the bunker and get a yardage and he's like oh cool so brandt jumps in the bunker and gets a yardage so brandt knows the rule he even I heard the man shrieking and crying at me on the phone. He's like, I know you're not supposed to touch the sand until your golfer's out of the bunker. I'm just like, ooh, this, okay, you know this. Okay, this sucks. Okay, continue. So here they get to 18, and and as they walk up to his ball, uh, Pinto's lying two in the bunker, three in the greenside bunker. Uh, I'm not. Uh,
1: he would have been two in the greenside bunker.
0: Okay, crap, that's even worse. So he's two in the greenside bunker, par 5, 18th. And as they're walking up to the ball, they both kind of muse between each other. Wow, it looks like the wind has blown the sand out from under the ball. That looks like rock. So when Brant sets the bag down, Segundo says to Brant, kind of like absentmindedly, while half walking towards the flag to look at his line, he just goes, Segundo says, hey, check it out, will you? And then he goes and does his thing. That's when Brant, just like without saying a word, just goes, okay, and leaps into the bunker and starts just like, just like... (laughs) He, gets real, he got real upset because he's like, oh, I wasn't building sandcastles, dude. I'm just like, that's what the golf community and sports community is going to call it. I know you were building sandcastles. You were five to eight feet away from the golf ball, which still would make me think you're testing the wrong part of the surface, dude. I mean, this is still kind of like, you know, like 101 about like, hey, are you trying to cheat? No. Well, if you're trying to cheat, here's how you cheat, dude. I mean, he wasn't doing that. Then the rest is, out, as we all know, is history. Now, he got a text from Phil Mickelson the other day saying this is a bullshit rule because as Brent was like sobbing and telling me, he's just like, how is the difference from testing the sand with your hand or your feet when you go in there and you start scrolling around with your feet? I know it's not identical. It's not, it's not. And I respect the rule for what it is, but I'm allowed to say it's a bad rule or a stupid rule case in point this guy I'm cutting for right now. I don't know if he's going to become a fan of the podcast. Uh, t- I didn't even get his name today, but I'll just say this. Some people you can tell when they have a little malicious cheat in them. Like this guy, the second he said he had a bad lie in the rough one uh, after he had a tee shot on number three, the par fit, five, fifth hole. He was just like, Oh yeah, but that lies kind of rough. And as he stepped over to me to get uh, a club, he stomped real hard behind his ball. So much to the point where it was obvious. And I thought in 30 years of golf, I never even thought of that, but that was pretty <laughs> obvious. And I think you're gonna do this five more times today. Wow, this guy's a real creep. Like, I've never cheated a golf. So if you cheat a golf once, I'm sorry, it just puts you in a category. So to to put a bow on the Brandt thing, he he has become the most popular golfer in our Caddyshack now. Thank God, in our 24-hour news cycle, the only few people who are still shitting on him are people who, as I said, you have no insight and have no friends and just are like getting to something late. Uh, Brandt's gonna flourish from this. He the thing that's hurting him the most right now is because him and his golfer got pretty close. Uh, they actually, Segundo, didn't. I could read the frustration in his post-round interview right there because it just happened. And Segundo had every right to bury Brandt, but he didn't. And then the stuff that happened after that, he Segundo posted stuff to Brandt's Instagram that are like on Instagram that just like has the two of them together, like saying like this can happen to anyone, hashtag no one's fault. Like I, I pinned it to my Twitter page and every time I look at it, I, it gets dusty in the room. It's just, it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And then, I hear, um, like, when I was talking to Brand on the phone, he's like, Suguno's been calling me every day. He's been calling me every day, making sure I'm okay. And this would probably be the best headline I could drop or any news piece I could drop. And I've told a couple people this, and it's not that big a deal, but Sugundo told Brandt, you, you can question Brandt as a caddy. You can question the resort, our policies, like how we might've trained or somebody slipped through the cracks or whatever. In terms of humanity and how good this all works out, Segundo told Brandt, and I quote, this will not be the last time you're going to be on my bag which prompted me to tell Brandt, it's like if you're not careful you're not gonna be my freaking coworker anymore because i mean you guys obviously he was telling me about how good they became friends like during the practice rounds Brandt was taking his laundry home because it like, only brought two outfits i mean it's just like like they, they like i was kind of jealous because i'm like oh i wish i mean me and jack have a good bond but it's like oh look at these guys that's fun but on the other hand i also look at like Man, Brant's this his first year, and I told him where the sign-up sheet was. And look at how good he's doing this year. That's all I kept thinking was, look how good Brant's doing. Look how good Brant's doing. And then he went up for a dunk, and he slipped. I mean, it just – that is essentially, like, the rub of it in terms of any extent of any extra information there is out there. He released a statement on Monday. It was as, like, plastic as can be in terms of it didn't tell us anything we didn't know or how he's not feeling. But because I've seen the love and support that's out there, which lasts longer than the ire – it's really almost like a non-issue now. I'm sorry we waited so long, folks, to tell you all this stuff. But because of stupid scheduling on my behalf, mostly, it took a while to get out. So is there any other questions you have, Matt, or any, like, thoughts or rebuttal upon it? I mean, you're, I, I'll be the first to say, like, go ahead. I'll be his sponge. Tell me how stupid he is. I won't, it won't get back to him. I swear to God. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, you know what? So he doesn't have to hear it. Let me have it or whatever. I mean, or go yell in a pillow. No, people won't do that. But, I mean, it's like we all we all make mistakes. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the year of 2020. I mean, Jesus Pete.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's, you know, is it unfortunate that it happened? Obviously. Yes. Um, is it, you know, something you have to crucify this guy for? Absolutely not. And it sounds like he's handled it well and um definitely the competitor he's handled as well. He's handled it extraordinarily. So speaks to their character, both of them. So Really, I hope a lot of good comes out of it. I've seen some great traction on Twitter about supporting Brant. Um, and really, you know what? In year 2020, let's try to find some positives that are something that might be a little yes. negative and and keep on tracking. So, you know, I think that's a great story. And it's, it's cool that you had some, some great insight for us.
0: I, I, the only way, I, I mean, I, 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 I guess I'm kind of, I want to be like golf's Cato Kalen, where, do you know who that is? i
1: think so now off the top of he, my head he was
0: he was oj's uh uh like uh couch cat crasher at the time like he came gotcha. like, famous for being like a celebrity couch crasher except he was he was he was, he was the one adults. driving the bronco if i'm not mistaken. no 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 that was that was team a former teammate al cowlings remember he's like what's gotcha. your name my name's al you know what my name is god damn it. um but uh no kato kalin was uh I, I can relate to it because I used to couch crash and surf for many years of my life. I mean, it's a very cheap and uh, convenient way to go out living if you live out of a backpack, which sometimes all you need is a backpack, but Cato Kalin, it. Okay, this is getting. I want to be the Cato Kalin of golf essentially okay so I find myself being the most incredible bystander, where it's like I'm always in the wrong place at the right time. But if anyone asked me like right at the moment, be like, hey Jerry, what should we do right here? I'd be like sitting there with a cotton candy, just be like, oh, what? And just like back into the head, just, just like, no, I'm not here, even though I'm watching, like, <laughs> like I, I wanna be I wanna be present for the spectacle, but I don't wanna be a part of it. And I think that's pretty tough to do like you have to be pretty lucky or random or whatever i mean it'd be like saying like oh when phil swatted that ball back or whatever i was there we were our gallery was at that green it's like yeah you and 400 other people could see that that's the, you happen to be there for that cool thing this was something that i had to be there for and brant is my best friend and between those combinations of things it really i mean not that it like not that i was hoping he'd give me more insight it was decent closure but more so i'm happy that like the ire is gone that's really it, and uh, and the rest mm-hmm. of it is we can move on. I mean, Starfought, was a good kid who won. I mean, it was a great amateur, and um, and dunes definitely got theirs for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, sorry, folks. Thank you for sticking with us for this quote unquote short episode, a little over an hour. Um, Smitty, anything else you want to talk about before we get out?
1: I'm all good, man.
0: Well, again, you can find Matt on the Twitter machine at Bomb Squad Matt. I'm at Jerry Lou Looper. The show is at bomb squad golf co all one word because it's twitter and mostly we talk about twitter because golf and relationships uh, podcast and twitter have a good relationship so on behalf of maddie and jerry open those bay doors bombs away